Welcome, everyone, to the Southern Spectre Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah, and as always, thanks for listening. On today's show, we'll take a dark dive behind the happiest place on earth. But first, I'd like to remind each and every one of you to follow the Southern Spectre on social media. You can follow us on Facebook at the Southern Spectre Podcast, as well as on Instagram at the Southern Spectre for the latest and greatest news with the show. If you like what you're hearing right now, be sure to like, follow, and leave a review wherever you may listen to your podcast. We'd greatly appreciate it. Also, don't forget that in about a month's time, June the 5th, me and the wife, Mrs. Spectre, will be heading to Savannah, Georgia to stay at the 1790 Inn. Uh, we'll be staying in Anna's room, who is uh, one of the most famous ghosts there at the inn, as well as Savannah. It, supposedly, it's one of the most haunted rooms in the city. We're going to find out. Uh, if you haven't done so already, follow us on social media, and you'll be able to keep up with the latest and greatest as far as what's going on with that. We're kind of going to make a whole day out of it. It'll be kind of a little small overnight trip. Uh, any interesting place we happen to go or interesting things we happen to see, we'll be sure to take photos and videos of all that stuff, but it'll all be happening in real time. Once we check into the end, we'll be sure to let you guys know we are, we are going to try to talk to some of the workers there. We're going to try to involve you guys as much as possible. Uh, we may try and ask Anna some questions or see what kind of response we get, see what kind of noises we hear, but it'll be something you guys can tune in and maybe you'll catch something that we won't, you know, maybe you'll hear something come across uh, some kind of in audio form that maybe we can't hear. So you never know. I think it's going to be a good time. I think it's going to be fun. So I really do hope that everyone tunes in. I'd like to start today's show. I have a book I picked up some time ago, and it's by Sherman Carmichael. And the name of the book is Strange South Carolina. The chapter we're going to cover today is called Black Panthers or Phantom Cats. Rumors of mysterious black cats keep popping up at the local watering hole and have been for years. These black cats have been the topic of several radio talk shows. Do black panthers exist in South Carolina or is this just someone's wild imagination? Photos of large cat tracks have been sent to the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources, also known as DNR, but no one has been interested in investigating these mysterious tracks. Are they the tracks of cats native to South Carolina, or is this something DNR can't explain? Sightings have been reported in Pillion, Oconee County, and Anderson County of cats as big as German shepherds and solid black in color. Sightings of these mysterious black cats have been made near the Lee Steam plant and at the trash bin at Bargain's Food Store, just to name a few. Several people have had close encounters with the black cats, but no attacks have been reported. Farm animals and domestic pets have been reported missing from near some of the sightings. One man in Anderson County has seen them seven times since the mid-1980s. 
Many reports come from Anterville. Many people report seeing them while deer hunting. A Georgia biologist reported being stalked by one of these phantom cats on the Chattooga River on the Oconee, South Carolina slash Rabin County, Georgia line. These mysterious black cats seem to appear and then disappear just as fast without leaving much evidence of their existence behind. Lord, I hope I don't run into one down here because that's going to be a bad day for all of us. So today's show is going to run a little bit different. Normally, my shows are scripted, which means I do my research. I write it all out so it sounds all nice and lovely and it flows ever so gently from one point to another. Well, we're going to scrap that concept today because we are going off the cuff. We're going off the rails with this thing. Okay, now we're going to talk about Disney, a little bit of the darker side of Disney. Okay. Now, some of the things I'm going to talk about, they're not necessarily canon, which means that they're not necessarily held true in the eyes of Disney World. Now, Disney just recently has made some headline news or Disneyland um, has made some headline news recently with one of their revamped attractions. I'm not going to get into all that. That's not my job. I'm not here to break down how I feel about certain things one way or the other. However, they stuck true to the story. I'll say that much. But what I do want to talk about are some of the interesting fan theories, some of the things that you may overlook. And what got me going on this path is this. I am a dad. And as a dad, you learn to love certain things. And you remember certain aspects of your childhood. Disney was part of my childhood. And I think we can all agree that we like some pretty good Disney movies, okay? There's some really good Disney movies out there. They make a pretty good, decent quality product. And so we decided that we were going to take our family on a trip. So think back pre-COVID, before all this mess started, but right before it began. January. 2020, toward the end of the month, almost February, me, my wife decided to take, let's see, in total, it was seven of us that went on a family vacation to Disney. Out of seven people, two had previously gone. I was one, my son was the other, although me and him have never actually gone together. Now, as you get older and as you You want to do things and make memories with your kids and your family. And so that's exactly what I set out to do. I done a ton of research on everything, everything I'm talking about from the meals to the rides and attractions to what parks we should go to on what days and what food we could eat. I mean, everything I did this Now, of course, everything has changed since I was a kid on how Disney does certain things. So I had to learn all an all new way of doing things. Not that I really had a hand in it the first couple of times that I actually went. The first time I was in third grade, the second time I, you know, I wasn't paying for it. So I really didn't have a hand in it. So I wanted to make sure I had the perfect. We had the perfect family trip. We were set to leave on January the 19th. And you'll find that as you get older, if you 
don't already. You check the weather like you're keeping score of a freaking football game. And so all that week, I mean, I was excited. I was so excited. We watch YouTube videos after YouTube videos, one after the other. And we, just, I just, me personally, I just could not get enough. I could not wait to see the look on my kid's face. At their faces when they when they saw this stuff and how they when they interacted with these things. So I wanted it to be perfect. I kept track of the weather as best as I could up until it was time for us to leave, which we left out. I want to tell you maybe about three or four o'clock on a Sunday morning. Now, from where I'm at, uh, Orlando, Florida is not but about a six, six and a half hour drive. We made it. I think we may have stopped twice. If that, I got a good bit of my driving in while the kids were asleep. Rather peaceful for me, but I struggled nonetheless. We got down there. I want to say it was about 10 or 1030. We finally made it to our hotel. And let me just say, I don't know what happened between the time that we got up to leave with checking the weather and or the from the last time I checked the weather before we left to the time that we got down there, the first day and the last day was about the nicest days we had. The rest of the week would probably go down as one of the coldest on record in 2020. And of course, one of the big things, uh, if you don't know, if you've never been Disney World in Florida is broken down into it's broken down into different parks, okay? So you have Magic Kingdom, which is the original park that was built for Disney World. Then you have Epcot, which was, uh, I can't remember what the letters stand for, but basically it was like a a, a better world of tomorrow, so to speak, a, uh, a world, a city, a self-thriving city that Walt Disney had actually envisioned. And that was kind of like the prototype for it. So then you had Epcot, then you had animal kingdom, then you had Hollywood studios or Disney studios, depending on what time frame you come around. So that was about it. Yes, of course they do have, I think it's one or two water, uh, water parks, but we were not there for that. Okay. So that was just completely off the menu. So you're looking at a total of four major parks that we were supposed to hit over the course of pretty much five days. We left out on Sunday early morning. We got down there around lunchtime, close to lunchtime. People were hungry. People were ready to go. People were ready to see and venture out, which is exactly what we did. And one cool thing about Disney is that once you get down there, even though your room may not be ready, you can drop your luggage off at the front desk. And they will make sure it is in your room by the time you check in. So that's exactly what we did. However, the weather did not want to cooperate. And of course, the big park that we were all looking forward to, because it's the most classic and possibly probably the most nostalgic, is the Magic Kingdom. That day, if you go look it up, was January 22nd. That day would go down as the coldest day of 2020. And at first I thought it was me, maybe old age catching up with me. I was like, I do not remember the cold bothering me so much. The wind was blowing. This is not the way Florida's supposed to be. Not at all. Not by a long shot. I mean, it was so cold to the point where we were unprepared 
And we literally had to venture out from our resort and <laughs> head to the closest Walmart. Even in Florida, I could not get away from Walmart. We headed down to Walmart. We had to buy people's <laughs> our kids' clothes. We had to buy stocking caps and gloves. That's how cold it was. We don't even wear gloves here in South Carolina. It does not get that cold. It does, but it doesn't last long. But we were staying. I'm telling you, it was freezing. Well, that day was Wednesday, January 22nd, coldest day of 2020 in Florida, Orlando, right there at Magic Kingdom. It wasn't until, you know, you go on vacation like this with your family, you completely block out the outside world. And, you know, and that goes along with social media as well. You just completely forget to check all that stuff. You're not concerned with it. It's not a big deal. Well, later that afternoon, once we got back to the hotel to thaw out, we discovered that the real reason we were freezing, the real reason that the temperature had dropped as bad and as low as it did The Kardashians were in the park. I can't believe it. It was horrible. But aside from that, we did have a great time. It it started out fairly decent. Um, it, it the weather got worse as the week went along, and then it kind of started to pick up. The you know the longer we were there, Wednesday was the coldest day. Thursday was a lot better. I think it got up as high as in the sixties, but I don't think it. I don't think it ever got out of the thirties or low forties that Wednesday. It was freezing, y'all. No kidding. But anyway, that's my personal experience with it. We went, we went, we had a great time. If anybody wants to know anything about Disney, I promise you, I'm your go-to expert at this point. But aside from all that, how this whole episode that I'm about to tell you guys, how it came about, I thought it was pretty interesting in my opinion, but I got a question for y'all. Is it ever really too early to start planning your Halloween? Seriously, I'm, I'm almost 41 years old. Me and my wife really went pretty big on Halloween last year. We haven't in the past because before we used to live out in the country. And when I say the country, I mean the country. You take a left or right out of our driveway and it it was at least, at least five miles to the closest gas station. Closest Walmart? 30 minutes. Yeah. That's how far off in the country we were. With that being said... Here recently, I don't know if it's the spring weather or I know that summer's coming or whatever, because I'm not a big fan of the summer heat. I can't stand summer heat. Uh, Winter, I can deal with. You can always put more clothes on. Summertime heat around here, you can never take enough clothes off. I promise you. But anyway, I was kind of daydreaming the other day about Halloween. And I even, you know, because this is the way Halloween works, okay? Either you go in for it or you don't. You put up some stuff or you don't. And me and my wife pretty went pretty heavy on it last year. And I'm glad we did. We had a great time. Um, I'm talking about down to the food and decorations and costumes and all that stuff. We've never had a Halloween more bigger than that until this year. So what we're trying, I got to thinking about Halloween and how we were going to tackle it this year. And uh, some of the food and some of the things. And and I didn't want to go overboard. I didn't want to go too scary. I didn't want to be too gruesome. So we actually started talking about doing a haunt, you know, Disney haunted mansion themed Halloween decorating. So, of course, you take the Pinterest, you take the YouTube, you speaking of YouTube. Let me do this plug real quick. 
YouTube. If you guys want to know more about Disney, one, uh, there's a couple of channels I can definitely recommend. Number one, Disney Food Blog. Disney Food Blog. They cover rides and attractions as well as some of the seasonal treats and, you know, yearly favorites that they have. Promise you, they cover a lot and they're really good on it. And it's at least once or twice a week that they drop videos. So they are definitely up on their game. Second one is Tim and Jen Tracker, along with their um, toddler, (laughs) uh, fairly newborn baby, uh, Jackson, who is cute as a peach. But we actually actually got, sorry, I'm fanboying here a second, but I actually got to meet Tim Tracker the day we were at Magic King Kingdom, uh, mom and dad, me and me and the wife had had enough of the kids for a few moments, and we decided we decided we needed to take a bit of a break. So we put the kids together and we put them. We gave them a plan and told them, you know, hey, go put this plan into action. So that's what they did. And while they were doing that, you know, hey, we'll be back. Give us half an hour. We'll be back. So me and the wife actually walked out of the park and on our way out right in front of the castle, I spotted Tim and believe you me, he he's pretty popular on YouTube as far as in the Disney niche, so to speak. But I promise you when you have watched as many videos of his as I have, then yeah, you tend to become a fan. I promise you he still, he still puts up good content. Thank you, Tim. You know, I was able to stop and take a picture of him. So yeah, I kind of got the fan girl out there a minute. But anyhow, anyhow, back to the story. So, of course, you take to the Internet to scour the the bowels of the Internet to try and figure out what you're going to do. So, of course, we come up with that. We were going to actually do a Disney themed uh, haunted haunted mansion this year. We're going to try and keep it as close to the source material as possible. And so I kind of got a little bit nostalgic with everything. And, uh, of course, you that's when you start adding unnecessary items to your Amazon shopping cart as I did. However, but, but anyway, my point is, is that, you know, it, it, that kind of stuff for me brings back childhood memories and doing things with our kids and me and the wife getting together and all that good stuff. And it's, it's a joy. It's fun to, it's fun to be around this COVID had just killed the vibe. I'm trying to plan everything out. And then, you know, I literally had a full scripted show ready for you guys, ready to go. And I completely dismissed it for this. So I hope you guys are enjoying this. My point being is that that's one of the things. This is where we're going to start in the in Disney World, in the Magic Kingdom. I think I'm going to pretty much stick to that because there's nothing really else, uh, not that I've come across. But Magic Kingdom is where it's at. This is where this is happening. We're going to start with the Haunted Mansion, which by of all the attractions at Disney World is by far my favorite. It's a beautiful home, and there's just one thing to the next that just, I mean, it just screams old school horror. And the more you get into it, you realize there is some Pretty heavy underlying tones in this in this attraction. I know kids go on it all the time, but when like when I was doing research for this show, you would not believe some of the things I come across, things I did not know about. 
But anywho, when I was doing research for our trip, I found out a lot of things I was not aware of. And so between my Disney trip and me daydreaming about Halloween, this is where we ended up. So some of the things I want to talk about here is I've got to pull it up here. Just a second. All right. So we're going to talk about the Disney's Haunted Mansion. Okay. And I love this ride. I just do. I mean, what is there not to like? This is awesome. It's located in a portion of the Magic Kingdom known as New Orleans Square. I think that's right. New Orleans Square. So there's a couple of theories out there, but I'll get to those here in a second. But what I want to talk about first is the actual queue, the stand-in line, the standby line. Okay. Now, they the Disney Imagineers who are in the real world are engineers. Um, along with cast members really go in on all this to sell this to you. And by God, they do a fantastic job. Let me tell you. So if you actually have a fast pass, some of these things you'll miss. Um, fast pass skips the line. Of course, um, it puts you in a separate line, which kind of brings you completely around. You bypass the entire, uh, standby line so if you're in the standby line some of these things i'm going to mention you'll see other things not so much so if you go through the fast pass line you may or may not see some of these things so the first thing i want to talk about is uh the wedding ring there is a wedding ring which i did not see that is embedded in the concrete uh, i do believe uh that i was reading that the only way to see this is in the standby line not the fast pass line so it it will be off to your right. It's kind of back up in a corner. Now, what this started out as is that if you've ever been on the Disney Haunted Mansion ride or know anything about it, then you know uh, that there is a bride who inside the Haunted Mansion that she is in there. And I can't I think her name is Constance Hatchaway, I believe is her name. And supposedly the theory behind Constance is that, you know, she's a bride and she's she's lost her love. Or so that's what Disney would have you believe, right? Well, if you put some clues together, you will find in actuality she killed her husbands. Okay? That's what we're going with today. Okay? So she killed her husbands. And the ring is supposed to represent uh, her wedding band, I would assume. Now, here's the cool part about this is that someone, this, this ring that is embedded into the pavement there actually started out as like a flagpole. I want to tell you that's what it was. It was, it was a piece. It was like hardware that was, you know, put into the pavement there and Disney you know, of course, their their employees go around and they they have to spray off and clean up and all that stuff. Somebody mentioned that it looked like a I don't know if it was an employee or an actual, you know, somebody there at the park that day. But somebody mentioned that it looks like a wedding ring. Somebody created the story that it was actually Constance, uh, Constance uh, Hatchaway's wedding ring. Well, Disney apparently got a hold of the story, not Walt Disney, just Disney, the corporation in general, actually kind of got a hold of this story and they they loved it. So they actually here's the cool part about it. Uh, they had to 
take or shut the line down for maintenance or whatever. So what they did was they cleaned it up and they actually removed the old hardware and they went forth and put a actual, not an actual wedding band, but they put a ring, a prop wedding ring in its place. So now you actually have a wedding ring, almost like a, a hidden Easter egg, but now you know to look for it. So like I said, they don't, sorry, the only way you can, um, the only way you can see it is if you're in the standby line, not the fast pass line. Um, so they actually love the story so much. They actually incorporated it into the story. Um, not that they changed anything inside or anything like that, but they, they actually, they actually made it canon. So it actually coincides. All right. So that's Constance Hatchaway is the bride. There's a couple other players in this that you need to know about. Number one, you have Master Gracie. He owns the mansion. It's his name. It's uh, his name on the mansion. That's why it's called Gracie Mansion. Okay, then you have the ghost host. A lot of people were thinking that Master Gracie, if you've ever been on the ride, it's all narrated. Okay, and so while you're riding through and walking through, you're going to hear a narrator. The story that's being told to you, a lot of people automatically assumed that to tell the story that Master Gracie was the one who was playing the narrator. This is not true. The ghost host, we're not 100% sure. Not that I found yet. If you know who he is, great. Tell me. I would love to know. So when you first enter the haunted mansion, you are greeted with this from the ghost host. He says, Welcome, foolish mortals, to the haunted mansion. I am your host, your ghost host. Kindly step all the way in, please, and make room for everyone. There's no turning back now. So now that you're in the haunted mansion, they put you into a room that has uh, is pretty famous. It's become known as the stretching room. And so when you go into the room, uh, I guess like a Disney uh, cast member leads you in there. And once everybody is inside, what ends up happening is they shut all the doors. And from your perspective, knowing very well that you just walked into a room through a doorway, it... Uh, it appears to be a room with no doors or windows. Everything looks like one solid room, no windows, no doors. And as you're sitting there, uh, there are, I believe, four, four paintings on the wall. And they look like normal paintings. And then the ghost host, who is the narrator, you know, is speaking to you throughout all this. And he goes on with his whole spiel. And as he's going, um, the room appears to start to stretch now how disney does this i'm not 100 percent sure either the ceiling portion of the room starts to expand upward or the room that you're actually in starts to expand down actually starts to drop similar to that of an elevator and those uh pictures that you see uh although they looked normal to begin with those pictures begin to what appear to be 
to stretch. And as they stretch, uh, more of the picture or the image is revealed. Um, so as that occurs, at the end of it, the ghost host tells you that it's our mission to find a way out because he points out that you're in a room now. You know, he, he let me back up a second. While he's talking to you and the pictures are, you know, kind of moving, he tells you, you know, is it true? You know, this room, is this room actually stretching, you know, and then so you're kind of curious, you know, what's going on here? And then the next thing you know, he says, if you look around you, you'll notice there are no windows and no doors and it's up to you to find a way out. And then he kind of laughs maniacally. I think it kind of goes dark. He said, then again, there's always my way. And at this point, I think he goes to laughing again. And if you look up to the very tip top of the ceiling, you will see a projection like an image. And what you see is where he is hanging from the rafters. And so what you're looking at, you see a shadow up on the wall and you actually see a body that is hanging down. It's not a real body. It's all one projection, one image. And so he's telling you at this point, you can find another way out or you can take my way, which was he hanged himself. Now, this ghost host has become known as uh, the hatchet man, the hanging man, and as well as the host, the ghost host. And he's kind of hanging out with you pretty much the whole time, I guess, in no pun intended, in spirit. Um, and so then you're taken outside of that room to uh, board what is known as your doom buggy. And so... You, every, this is where everybody kind of makes a line and everybody gets on board these doom buggies. And I think it's uh, no more than about three people per car. Uh, it's pretty cool. And uh, so you get in. It reminds you of the tilt-a-whirl uh, carriages that you used to ride in at the fair. And they're, of course, all black. And at this point, you know, you kind of get to take in the whole scenery of the Haunted Mansion and the wallpaper and the floating candles and... uh. Oh my gosh, it's, it's, in all honesty, it's a beautiful home, really. Uh, I know there's a lot going on inside there, and it's tough to take it all in. And uh, even though, in my opinion, this is not scary by any stretch of the ma imagination, it's very good storytelling. Um, and that's the way I always feel. I love a good scary movie, but if the story aspect of the of the story of the of the movie isn't there, you know, you've lost me. Um, there's a couple of thing in, things, in my opinion, that make uh, a story scary. Number one, the storytelling aspect. Are you telling a good story? Number two, the soundtrack. Is the soundtrack really matching what you're trying to tell me? And, of course, you know, make it add up. You know, use your common sense and portray a story. Don't expect the audience to... Just fill in gaps because that's no fun. I don't want to fill in gaps. You know, there are some movies that I probably can let this slide in or stories that I can let this slide in. But um, this here, this, uh, this is a Haunted Mansion theory. And I'm going to kind of going to read this to you right now if I can pull it up. 
you know what? I, I apologize, but I have completely forgotten to tell you guys about something, but I'll get back to it in a second because I don't want to ruin my the track that I'm on at this point. All right. So someone on Reddit, uh, let's see here. This was about six years ago. It says uh, they thought that they would submit a theory um, that he overheard in line or that they overheard in line at the haunted mansion simply stated you die in the ride because of course you're riding through the haunted mansion. It says you start off the ride going in. Does it have this person's name? Uh don't see it but anyway here moving forth it says you start off the ride going in through the front door and into the stretching room the ghost host says some stuff and then comes to his line about how there's no windows or doors like i told you you have to find a way out then he shows you how he quote got out cut to black lightning corpse hanging from the rafters doors open into the mansion itself and you continue on the tour of the mansion the whole tour in the house, the ghosts are trying to scare you or otherwise creep you out. Further, ever notice how the ghost host is almost pitching you to become the 1,000th happy haunt? And that's another thing that is mentioned um, through at the beginning of his story. He says, uh, here there are 999 happy haunts. And there's always room for, but there's always room for a thousand, I think is what he says. Anyways, you make your way through the house, halls, stairways, and finally the attic. Here in the attic, before reaching the wall, you turn around and go or fall backwards at a fairly sharp angle. Why would you take a sudden backwards movement like that? It's you jumping backwards out of a window to your death. The ghost you see flying up is your transportation into the ghost world. Finally, you're greeted with a party in the graveyard where all the ghosts are happy to appear before you in the close proximity, unlike the ballroom scene. As the ride ends, you exit not out the front door, but the crypt. Okay, I'm going to back up here a minute. I know that was a lot to take in. But uh, yeah, I kind of I kind of agree with this, you know, now knowing more about this ride that that I know now because it does make sense when you think about it. Uh, after you board the buggy, you go through and you're kind of going through some of the halls and you're seeing some of these ghosts come to life. Uh, once again, no pun intended. Um, you know, kind of manifest. Let's put it that way. Kind of manifest themselves. And they are, they are there. They're, you know, of course, there's always the um, famous ballroom scene. Uh, which is really a really cool effect, uh, which is called Pepper's Ghost. Maybe I'll cover that here um, in this episode. But what it is, is like basically you imagine three floors and you are riding on the middle floor. Um, there is a wall of almost like plexiglass or glass in front of you. And of course, on the other side of that glass is the actual ballroom scene. The There's a dining hall. There's a ballroom and you see ghosts down there. They're dancing. Um, there's people sitting down at the dining uh, dining table to eat. There are uh, there's a couple of portraits up on the top left. Uh, they're pretty far up on the wall there. But what you're seeing there is um, you see two two uh, portraits of two gentlemen. 
and they're kind of like the way the portraits are faced is like the gentlemen are apart from each other like they're facing away from one another like they're in a duel and they're of course they're both holding guns and the ghost as you ride by the ghosts are kind of appearing and then disappearing appearing and then disappearing and this of course takes place over and over again well the way this works is that believe it or not like i said there's three floors three stories you're on the second floor there are mannequins uh, that are dressed in costume above our animatronics that's what disney's known for on the top floor above you and the floor below you light is projected from behind them or on them i guess you could say i'm not sure which way that is but what ends up happening is their reflection is cast onto the glass which projects it through the the glass into the room that you're looking at so their reflection is actually on the glass and so as you're passing by you're actually just seeing these animatronics not necessarily in the room but on the on the glass and and that's pretty cool and but it makes the way it looks is phenomenal it looks like they're dancing and that they're on the um and that they're sitting down to eat and these two gentlemen in this portrait they actually come to you'll see the ghost manifest in front of the portrait and then as they each have uh guns in their hands or pistols they turn to face each other like they're about to shoot each other and so that's pretty cool i really enjoy this ride um i'm a huge fan of this one um every time i think halloween i think of the haunted mansion and disney disney in itself because disney is i look it's wholesome family fun it really is and uh disney is known for what they do and i think they've he was he was a marvel and a, walt disney was a marvel and a genius before his time he really was and uh i think it still shows and carries out today because even what he did what 50 years ago or better he uh it still holds up today uh, now I, what I will say about our trip to Disney was the fact that, uh, they call him Mickey mouse, but I assure you my wallet felt like he, the prices they charge. Yeah. He's living, he may be a mouse, but he's living like a fat rat. I promise you. Um, so then there is a, all right. So we talked about the ghost host. And what happens, like I said, after you pass all that, you come into a room where you find a crystal ball and you're kind of making your way kind of like a curve uh, into the room and there's floating objects. It's very dark. And in the middle of these floating objects, you see like a fishbowl. And in that fishbowl is a head. And this is Madame Leota. Uh, Madame Leota is, of course, talking. You see a woman's head in there and she's talking. Now, who this is, this is this character, the facial features is actually, I want to tell you, is actually based on a one of the original Disney Imagineers. She actually worked on the ride and, uh, of course, a, a bunch of things Disney back then. And that's who Madame Leota's likeness is off of. And. I think the lady's name that they based her on was Leota Toombs. Um, now, that is not her voice. This is what I've heard. Um, 
the one who does her voice is actually the lady. It escapes me, but it's the lady who does her the voice of Lady Tremaine in Lady and the Tramp. And so it's all well done. And of course, after you leave her room, I think is at the time that your doom buggy actually spins around. And as it spins around, you're you're going down out of the mansion, so to speak, backwards. And as you go backwards, this is where this uh, person on Reddit says that this is when you're falling. You're you're falling to your death. And of course, when you get down into the cemetery or the graveyard there, there's a bunch of things uh, happening. You pass by like a groundskeeper who is holding up a lantern out in front of him and uh, he's got a dog and the dog's really scared and and you're you know he's kind of like looking out your way and he's kind of like looking all around and he's shaking his knees are almost clacking together and everything and what's going on is you know at that point you know taking this theory as real if you were to take this basically what happens is that he uh, he is he's seeing you because at this point, you yourself are dead and have become a ghost. And so as you go now, see, here's the weird part about it. As you were when you were first going through the haunted mansion and you were seeing all these things, the ghosts were not really in full effect, so to speak. They were not really appearing to you because, like I said, even in the ballroom scene, they were kind of flashing. They were they were there one second and then they weren't. They were there one second and then they weren't. And there were little things, you know, rattles of the doorknob and, and uh, floating candles and stuff like that. You actually never saw them until you get to the graveyard, which after you yourself have become a ghost, you go through the graveyard. And that's when, of course, the famous uh, song Grim Grinning Ghosts, i going to say that kind of slow, Grim Grinning Ghosts have come out to socialize. And so as you're going through the graveyard you know it's kind of like your party so to speak and they they they're kind of welcome welcome welcoming you to the afterlife so to speak and uh like he says like when you come out after you get off of your doom buggy and you leave the mansion you're actually leaving through the crypt which is pretty cool and uh you know i this I, I kind of buy into this. Uh, I actually like this theory, and uh, I think I think it could be I think it could be real. I think it could be used as canon. Um, but I don't really see anybody coming forth saying no, this isn't true. Now I'd like to back up and talk about Madame Leota herself. Uh, I've already told you that she was based on one of the Disney, I guess like Imagineers or animators. Uh, creators, uh, whatever you would like to refer to her as. Leona, Leota Toombs was her name. And uh, so she was, you know, the likeness for Madame Leota was based on her. And uh, when you're standing in the queue, uh, just before you walk into the Haunted Mansion, if you look to your left, because you're actually, uh, there's some graves and stuff that are about that you can kind of take a look at. If you're in the standby line, um, I think there's also some other stuff that you can kind of interact with, uh, some tombs and buttons to be pressed and all this other stuff. But right before you go in the door, there is a tomb on the left-hand side that if you look at it, it does say Madame Leota. Let's look at her grave right here. It says, Dear Sweet Leota, 
beloved by all. In regions beyond now, still having a ball. Now, what it is, is you actually see a face uh, on the on the head of the tomb there. And what's really cool about this is that her eyes are closed. Well, about every few, I'd say maybe 90 seconds or so, if you look and pay attention, the face on the tomb will actually kind of move out a little bit and her eyes will open, kind of look around and then close them back. And then she'll go back to her resting space, uh, resting place. No pun intended again. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And so like once you get inside there, you'll see that uh, she's the one she's kind of helping you conjure these spirits because as she, you know, she's kind of doing almost like a little seance there. So that's pretty cool. Now, another thing that takes place, um, another thing that takes place as you're leaving the haunted mansion on your way out, if you look up, I think you're still in the, in the doom buggy. I could be wrong about that. But as you're leaving, <clears throat> if you look up, you'll see like a small statue of like a younger lady. And this one here is actually the voice of Leota Toombs, who Madam Leota is actually based on. And she tells you something as, you, as you're leaving the haunted mansion. And what she says is, hurry back, hurry back. Don't forget your death certificate, which if you take that as face value it means you're dead <laughs> grab your death certificate on the way out or remember to bring it back on you know when you come back and uh so this is actually leota tomb's voice here that we're hearing and uh i thought that was pretty cool it was pretty interesting stuff right there and uh there's another theory about the haunted mansion this one actually talks about the the bride on the attraction. Now, I mentioned the bride at the beginning of this. Her name is Constance Hatchaway. Very uh, fitting name, if you would. Now, she's what is known as the Attic Bride. Uh, that's where she appears. I think this is right before you go out of the out of the attic where you supposedly fall. You know where you're falling backwards. Now, the original, this is based uh, from hauntedmansion.fandom.com. Uh, it says, in May 2006, the show scene was redesigned to include new effects and introduce a darker storyline. So, the original attic area featured black lights and blast-up ghosts that would occasionally spring out to scare visitors. The bride would be swaying in the corner with a beating red heart seen within her. Uh, this included scattered and stacked wedding gifts along with, and then, of course, it was redesigned. And then, of course, it was redesigned. And in May of 2006, the show scene was designed to include new effects and introduce a darker storyline. This included scattered and stacked wedding gifts, along with portraits of the redesigned bride and her husband's with an S. However, in each portrait, the husband's head would disappear and the bride's voice would admit to beheading them. The doom buggies would then head for the window where the bride would be standing, reciting her wedding vows with a hatchet 
uh, while a hatchet materialized and vanished in her hands. The doom buggy then goes out the window to the graveyard, implying escaping from the ghost. Now, this is what this website has to say. Um, so basically, she was she was marrying. Uh, she had several different husbands, and of course, she was killing them. Um, now it says, uh, according to her backstory. Uh, Constance Hatchaway was a beautiful woman who sought to obtain wealth and luxury. She accomplished this by marrying several rich men, including bankers, businessmen, farmers, and barons. However, each was murdered after the wedding by the deadly bride, decapitated with a hatchet so that she could claim their inheritance. Despite her crime, she was never punished, likely due to a lack of evidence, though the public did dub her the Black Widow Bride. Her husbands were as follows. Ambrose Harper, he was the naive but good-intentioned son of successful farmers. They married in 1869. Frank Banks, an eastern banker and community pillar, married in 1872. The Marquis de Doom, a foreign diplomat with a military past, married in 1874. Reginald Kane, a celebrated railroad baron, gambler, and world-renowned gourmand, Married in 1875 and George Hightower, a possible relative of the wealthy hotel owner slash explorer Harrison Hightower III, married in 1877. It was her final husband who was one of the many owners of the titular mansion. After murdering Hightower, Constance decided that she was satisfied with the wealth she had accumulated and settled down in her newly inherited mansion. She died later of unknown causes, though most speculate that it was from old age. Uh, it says after her death, Constance Spirit became enveloped by her sadistic homicidal side. She became a permanent resident of the mansion's attic, standing among her hordes of past wedding gifts and admitting to her crimes. Very spooky stuff indeed. And some even say she makes an appearance as one of the uh, portraits in the stretching room we talked about. Um it says it's a portrait of an older woman on her late husband's tombstone. So in a deleted 1968 script uh, by Ex Atencio, the portrait is referred to as being Widow Abigail Pate Cleaver. But this history was discarded. All right. So now moving on, we'll leave the haunted mansion. And like we said in the theory that you actually leave uh, the mansion through the crypt. Now, as you're walking out of the mansion, uh, once you're outside, you will notice, if you look to your left, you will notice a bit of a uh, a cemetery, uh, graveyard, whatever you would like to call it. And there is, up at the top, in the far back, in the middle, you will see a small statue of Mr. Toad from Wind in the Willows, if you know the story. Now, that movie... It was a, I think there was a full Wind in the Willows movie years ago. There's, I know there's been several different adaptations of it over the years, but uh, Disney did one that focused on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. And that's exactly what it was called, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. And it was part of a, it was like a two part movie series. And it was Ichabod and, or the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Uh, which I actually happen to have on DVD. Uh, so if you've ever watched the little short cartoon version of it, which is not very short, it's probably about 45 minutes long. Mr. Toad, um, Mr. Toad is a bit of a reckless character. 
Okay. He's wild. He's free. He wants to go out and have fun. And along his way, he keeps encountering his friends. I think it was Mole, Badger. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's another character in there, too, and I can't recall. However, anyway, what ends up happening is they all keep telling him, you know, he went out and he got this new car, right? And he's driving it really reckless. And everybody's like, hey, you need to slow down. And so at the end of the show or at the end of the movie, they even... uh, he even ends up going to court. Uh, and long story short, by the end of the tale, he ends up in hell. No joke, he ends up in hell. And this is exactly the same storyline that the Adventures of Mr. Toad or Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, the actual attraction that was once at Disney World, uh, followed. And so at the end of the ride, you actually go into hell, but the problem of it is, is you never come out. Okay. So it's a story that's being told to you, but you don't really think about it till after the fact. And so maybe that's one of the reasons why they actually ended up shutting the attraction down. I'm not a hundred percent sure. However, in, in any case, The point of it is, is that it was a dark story about a reckless toad who went out, got in a car wreck, and he died. Okay. And when he died, he went to hell. Scary enough for any, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And in the, in the cemetery I'm referring to right outside the Haunted Mansion, you will see a small toad statue that is in remembrance of the attraction. Now, based on what the story has to say about Mr. Toad, one could say that this is indeed his grave. That's just my take on it. Another thing is, is that the ride that actually ended up replacing Mr. Toad's wild ride was the adventures uh, or the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh or the adventures of Winnie the Pooh, whatever it is. But if you notice, uh, they actually did like another little Easter egg on this attraction And so as you're going through, you will notice a there is a picture up on the wall. It is a framed picture of Owl and Mr. Toad. Mr. Toad is actually handing the deed of the attraction over to Owl. So I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, that's that's clever. You know, Um, like I said, Disney really goes all in. So it's pretty wild to think about that. So. Moving on, our next one comes to, we're going to be talking about Snow White's scary adventures. And when I say scary adventures, folks, I am not joking. The one and only time I've ever got to ride this ride, I was in third grade. Lord have mercy. I have no idea how old I was, but I was old enough. I was probably about seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah. Closer to eight, I think. Um. But I'm telling you, this thing scarred me. We have pictures because that was back when they tell you know they used to tell you, or they tell you now you know no flash photography. Well, way back when we had nothing but flash photography. Uh, I think right around that time was when the 35 millimeter camera or the disposable cameras were big. And yeah, my mom and dad took plenty of pictures on that ride. And let me tell you. 
But yes, uh, that ride was quite traumatizing for a child, which is why, uh, you know, they shut it down. And I don't really know what they put in its place at this point. I can't really think. Um, I know it shut down sometimes maybe in the 80s, maybe 85 or so. Maybe, maybe no. I think it was right before the 90s, so maybe 88, 89, somewhere in that time frame. But that ride focused on, even though it was called, it was called Snow White's Scary Adventures. However, that ride focused uh, a lot on the evil queen. And, you know, you see her transform into the old witch. And, you know, she's trying to give Snow White the poison apple. And then you see the dwarves trying to push the boulder onto her. And yeah, like I said, it, it was quite, it was quite frightening. Uh, she showed up several times in that. And man, I tell you, uh, <laughs> it, it brought, it brought me to tears. No joke. But uh, anyway, moving on, we're going next. We'll be stopping by one of my, another one of my favorites, of course, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean or Caribbean, depending on how you say it and where you're from. But I will be saying Caribbean. Um, okay, so before I forget, back to the Haunted Mansion real quick, because I thought this was a pretty cool fact. Okay, Disneyland's Haunted Mansion, of course, Disneyland opened up before Disney World. When Disneyland built the Haunted Mansion, they knew in advance that they were going to put a Haunted Mansion in Disney World. So when they started ordering and building all these things that they were going to use in the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland, they actually duplicated everything. And so all the duplicates were stored in a warehouse. And so even though the Haunted Mansion in Disney World didn't open up till years later, the everything in the Haunted Mansion in Disney World is actually the same age as the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland. So I thought that was a pretty cool little tidbit of information. Um, but yeah, now we're moving on to the Pirates of the Caribbean. And I love this ride. Uh, unfortunately, the ride broke down the day that we were there in Magic Kingdom. Uh, this was one of the very first rides we headed to when we got there in the park. And it broke down. I mean, I think we moved just a few feet while we were in line. We were there maybe 15, 20 minutes. Uh, just because we were on a schedule, uh, I did not want to waste time in line there. So we departed the line and went elsewhere. Matter of fact, I think we went to the Haunted Mansion next. Uh, but what the story behind uh, Pirates is that Number one, there was a couple of scenes in there back then, you know, back then when they created this thing, this attraction that there was, there was, there was very few supply companies that you could just order, uh, makeshift skeletons, you know, I mean, you couldn't find anything that looked as real as a skeleton should look. So Rumor is, is that they're even still in use today, I do believe, don't quote me, uh, 
But rumor is is that they actually still have uh, they bought cadavers from uh, someplace, possibly a university, medical university, and they use the skeletons and the bones on the attraction. Now, one of the uh, I think it is when you first go into the ride there on the right hand side could be the left. I don't know. It's been years since I actually wrote it, but uh. There is a scene where you see a skeleton lying in bed and up on the headboard of the bed, you see like a skull and crossbones. Rumor is, is that the skull and crossbone is actually real. Uh, The skeleton in the bed is not. However, I think it's down a little bit further ways is that there is a skeleton that has a sword pushed through him. And, uh, you know, like, Somebody jabbed him in the gut, almost like drew their blade through his stomach, through his side almost. And he's like pinned up against some rock. Well, rumor is, is that that skeleton is actually a real skeleton as well. Uh, Some of the other little tidbits. And (laughs) I know this is not on not on topic. Just thought this was pretty cool. Uh, Thinking about these skeletons has made me think of. One eyed Willie from the Goonies. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of fans out there. But one thing that I learned earlier this week and I thought I'd share with you is that, you know, Steven Spielberg had a big hand in the Goonies as well as Jurassic Park. And if you go and look at in the very first Jurassic Park, you will find some Easter eggs in the way. What's his name? The guy that played on Seinfeld, uh, Ned Nedry, uh, the scientist, the guy, the big guy with the glasses. I can't remember his name right offhand. But anyway, in that movie, if you notice his outfits, uh, when you first uh, are introduced to him, he's at the table. And that's when he's talking to his contact with Engine, where he's supposed to smuggle out the embryos. If you notice his shirt, it's like a Hawaiian print type shirt. Uh, the next time you see him, he's back. Uh, he's on the island and he's at his computer. He's wearing like a gray London Fog members only type jacket. And then uh, at the the next time you see him, he's escaping the island and he's actually wearing the yellow raincoat. All three of those outfits actually mirror characters in the Goonies. So I thought that was pretty cool. The Hawaiian shirt is made for Chunk in from the Goonies. The gray members only jacket is for Mikey. No, mouth. Sorry, mouth from the Goonies. And the rain jacket is, of course, for Mikey. Thought that was pretty cool. Thought I'd share it with you. But anyway, not what we're talking about. Moving on. All right. So the Pirates of the Caribbean, supposedly some real skeletons were used in the making of this attraction. Uh, One of the engineers like uh, maintenance workers for the ride when it was first being introduced his name was george and over the years there is a legend saying that george actually died during the construction of this ride and they have over the years has kind of come to that any kind of malfunction with the ride or shutdown with the ride can be attributed to george who they now refer to as Pirate George. Now, Pirate George, uh, a lot of people, now this is just hearsay, but they say when the cast members come in to start up the attraction every morning, that what they do 
is they actually tell George, good morning. And then when they shut it down at night, they tell him good night. Some say that this is kind of to ensure a safe and uh, great day for the attraction. Uh, As old as this attraction is, of course, it's going to have its issues. It's going to have its bugs and shutdowns and malfunctions and so on and so forth. So some people believe that if you tell George good morning, tell George good night, that it actually helps with the maintenance portion of the of the attraction. And I, I get that. You know, uh, some have even gone as far to say that visitors, uh, guests that are actually riding the attraction, that during that time, if they were to say that there's no such thing as George or they don't believe in George, then the ride would shut down. And of course, anybody who has been to one of these attractions, these attractions can shut down from a matter of mere minutes to hours at a time. And so I just thought that was a little cool little tidbit. tidbit, And uh, I just throw that out there. I know I've been rambling for over an hour now. And I hope you guys enjoy this type of stuff. I know I do. And then it kind of dawned on me when I was doing my research why, um, why I was so excited about Halloween. Uh, this month, middle of this month, uh, I'm not sure the exact date. But anyway, this is the month that a lot of people refer to as halfway to Halloween. Uh, I know Shudder, the uh, scary streaming service, uh, they actually are... They did a whole big to do this month. Might have been last month about the halfway to Halloween. They had a halfway to Halloween marathon and all that other stuff. So uh, as far as me and my family goes, I am definitely looking forward to Halloween this year. I get so excited about it. I don't know about you guys. I really do. Oh, my gosh. I really do. Even to the point. I don't know. Call it nostalgic. Call it whatever you will. I love the idea of the Haunted Mansion from Disney. I love that we went to Disney. I love the fact that just, you know, the way Disney does things up, it's not trashy. It's not too over the top horror. It's good storytelling. And they just put it all together in this well packaged, you know, just present and they present it to you. And we just had a ball and I so wish we could go again. I'm looking forward to the time, you know, now that we've taken all the kids I'm looking for me and the wife to go back because I really, I'm telling you, one of the big places that I fell in love with was the Polynesian Resort. I love the Polynesian Resort. The smells that emanated from the Polynesian were fantastic. It was awesome. Uh, I love the smell. Actually, I'm a big coffee drinker. I actually bought me some, uh, I can't even remember the name of the coffee, but and you know they do, even though they have Starbucks coffees, uh, a few locations scattered throughout the parks. There's also Disney pretty much has its own brand of coffee, and it's called Joffrey's. Joffrey's, not Jeffrey's, kind of like Jeffrey's, but with an O. Joffrey's coffee. And uh, I know some people swear by it, but anyway, I had to buy some, and I bought some there at the Polynesian Resort, and I brought it home, and I loved it. I think it was called like it was. I can't. I want to say it was like a Kona, Kona blend. And it was all whole bean because I like to make my coffee fresh, even though I don't really don't have time for it in the morning, not unless it's on the weekends. I love, I love that. I just love it. Um, 
And when we we actually went to eat, that was one of the things that that week that we did. We went to eat at Ohana, which is uh, if you've ever been to a Brazilian steakhouse, it's something similar to that. But of course, this is Polynesian based. And what they do is I think the first thing they bring you is they bring you some banana slash pineapple bread. And so it's it's warm. It's fresh. It's not too overbearing. You know what I mean? When you think, you know, well, banana and pineapple bread do not sound very good, but it works. Trust me, it works. I liked it. Um, wife wasn't a big fan, but I enjoyed it. And then, but basically it's kind of like a buffet brought to the table. It's kind of like a family style buffet. Everything you, you want, you can eat. And if you're running out of something, they will bring you more. And so that was the very first thing we they brought out. They brought out the warm bread. Then they brought out our drinks. They brought out uh, salads. And then they brought out some sides. And the sides that you get are some honey, coriander, chicken wings. You get some yakisoba noodles that are kind of fixed a particular way. And then you also get some dumplings. And let me tell you, I loved the sides. I adored them 100%. The chicken wings, you cannot go wrong with. The dumplings, this was the first place that I've ever been. I love dumplings. Uh, something similar to pot stickers. And uh, they were very, very well cooked, very delicious, and, I mean, just explosive with flavor. One of the th sauces, they actually bring some sauces for you to dip in, and one of the sauces was like a peanut sauce. And when you stick your finger in this sauce and taste it, it tastes almost like a not too thick peanut butter sauce. And I know what you're thinking because my my mind was in the same location. How is it that dumplings and peanuts are going to go together? But I don't know how they work, but I assure you that was one of the most tastiest meals we had the entire week. Um, And so then they... I think there's like four different main courses that they bring you. Um, they have grilled shrimp, they have steak, they have chicken, and then I think they have pork. And so your waiter or waitress will come around and they have the meats on these huge skewers. So they will ask you if you would like any. If you would like any, you they will pile your plate up until you tell them to stop. No joke. The grilled shrimp was one of my favorites. The steak, I was not too keen on it. And maybe that was because I'm not used to that type of steak. But to me, in my personal opinion, it kind of tasted, it looked like steak, but it tasted like hamburger steak, not the type of steak I was looking for. The chicken was actually fairly good. And of course, it's usually when they serve, it's three of four meats. So uh, we got the chicken, the grilled shrimp, and the steak, so we did not end up trying the pork. Um, but everything, that was the best meal we had. All of our kids, of course, that includes your drinks, too, because we were dining off the family dining plan. And the kids were able to get, like, virgin daiquiris and stuff. They loved that. I mean, they all got, like, pina coladas, I think, but they loved that. Me and the wife, uh, we got some, you know, real adult beverages, and let me tell you, we we enjoyed it. I loved it to 100%. There was one I think was that I ordered was called a back scratcher. 
And it was, oh my gosh, it was very delicious. And even to the point where I know it was a novelty, but they brought out this, uh, like a little long wooden handled back scratcher. And I actually still have that. So that was pretty cool. We enjoyed that. That was very, that was our, everybody agrees. That was our favorite meal for the entire week. So then there's another place there at the Polynesian and I'm, I promise you, me and the wife are going back, but there's another place there at the Polynesian. It's called Trader Sam's um, Grog Grotto, I think is what it's called. Unfortunately, when we went, this was a Sunday. They, I don't know for whatever reason, they just weren't open yet or what, but we couldn't get in. So we, it, that was a no-go for us, which I was really looking forward to that. Uh, it's like this bar. And once you go in, it's like an interactive bar. And what I mean by that is, even though you're sitting in Orlando, Florida, and you go, you enter this room and this bar, the bar is made up to look like the islands, even so far as that there are makeshift windows inside the room. And as you peer through the blinds, there's an actual volcano, not an actual volcano, but it, it it's made to look like there's a volcano outside the window. So each time you order a drink, something different occurs. The bartenders participate along with you. It's kind of like a big deal. Everybody in the bar kind of takes notice. And it's just this whole big to do every time you order a drink. It's pretty cool. Uh, go check it out online. Uh, it's uh, Sam Trader Sam's Grog Grotto, I think. Uh, but anyway, it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a pretty awesome bar. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to go check it out. I really wish I had. Um, we enjoyed ourselves very much. We enjoyed it so much. I'm so ready for this whole COVID and everything to be done with. I am so looking forward to going back. I cannot wait to go back. And of course, you know, once you've gone with the kids, you know, you can leave the kids at home. Uh, don't tell them I said that. But, you know, you can leave the kids at home. And so hopefully next time it'll be just me and the wife. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to possibly staying at the Polynesian. Um, I think our favorite park that week was, I think everybody was pretty much in unison, the animal kingdom. We definitely enjoyed that. It was, it was very cool. The, uh, the environment that they have built up there in animal kingdom, you know, when it started animal kingdom was not much to animal kingdom at all, but over the years they have really definitely ramped everything up and it was, it was a blast. That was, that was pretty maybe because of the weather, but we really enjoyed that whole entire day. The food was good. We ate at flame tree barbecue, uh, not the barbecue I'm used to eating, but definitely worth the trip. We enjoyed that. Uh, we got to ride dinosaur. We got to ride, uh, Pandora flight of passage, which I would highly recommend, uh, doing so, but in doing so you are going to need a fast pass. It was unbelievable. If you've ever rode Soren at Epcot, you know, that was a first for me. Uh, riding Pandora was awesome. Uh, we rode, what else do we ride? I'm sorry, not Pandora, but Flight of Passage. That was, that was amazing. The technology in that ride is freaking phenomenal. We got to ride the Millennium Falcon uh, at Smugg uh, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run at Galaxy's Edge, which is actually located in Hollywood Studios. We, unfortunately, 
we did not get a chance to ride Rise of the Resistance, which I was really looking forward to because the way they're doing it, and I don't even think they've added it to Fast Pass at this point, but what they did, because it was still fairly new, it was a fairly new ride. And of course, when a new ride or attraction comes out like that, it has it takes some time to get it added to Fast Pass. And so what they ended up doing was you have to download the Disney, the Disney World app on your phone. Uh, the park opens at 7 o'clock, 7 a.m., and you have to be in the park ready to go, and you can actually go on your phone and sign up to be uh, what they call a boarding pass. Now, a boarding pass is like a virtual queue. So as you're walking around the park, Disney will send you a notification to your phone letting you know that, hey, your boarding pass is now boarding you and your party can make your way to the attraction, which is Rise of the Resistance. If you haven't seen that, go check that out on YouTube. That is freaking amazing. Um, but because it is a one-of-a-kind ride, certain things happen that it broke down. Long story short, it broke down. New technology tends to do so, and this is exactly what happened. Uh, so it wasn't until... I want to say maybe five, six, seven o'clock that night that I got a notification on my phone that they were finally boarding our party. But in, at that time, you know, we were so give out and tired that we just, you know, we were already back at the hotel. Uh, even though this is vacation, it's a lot to take in. And as a parent, you want to try and get your child involved with as much as possible and to do as much as possible. And just four or five days just isn't enough to do this. I'll tell you that now. It's just, it's it's not possible. There's just so much there to do, and you're not going to get it all done. Don't attempt it. Uh, knowing what I know now, I would have probably opted for a full week, a full seven days, and probably would have taken a day or two just to remain at the hotel, just to stay at our hotel just to eat at the hotel and just make a full day or two of it at the hotel. Of course, the weather was not quite right for us to go swimming or anything like that in the pools at the resorts, but I would definitely do that um, next time, you know, especially if you're in the, if it's that type of weather, I would do that. I would find other things to do with my kids around the Disney world. And there's so much free stuff to do at Disney world. It's not even funny. It really isn't. Um, I know that I'm talking, you know, like I sound like I'm some sort of trip planner or something, but here's the thing. Somebody in your party has to be because the way Disney world does things now, this is how packed it is anymore. Guys, our, we had to make, dinner reservations or food reservations, dining reservations. I'm sorry. We had to make dining reservations six months out in advance. Six months. That is crazy. Six months in advance. Um, I want to say that fast pass for the attractions and rides, you can make that out. Uh, I want to say three months. That's crazy. That is crazy. Three months in advance to ride a ride. But of course, you know, there was a lot of things there that we took in and we were, man, it was just, it's crazy. 
the smells that Disney puts out, walking down Main Street out toward the castle and smelling those chocolate chip cookies or that popcorn or whatever, you know, that that's actual smell that they pump out into the park. And it is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, you ride uh, Spaceship Earth, which is the giant golf ball, as most people call it, over in Epcot. We rode that, uh, which was, I, I've always loved that ride. It's very nostalgic. And, of course, it changes over the years. And I think it's it's actually just, if it hasn't just recently gone through an update, it will soon. Um, I'm trying to think of all that we did. It was just amazing, you guys. And if you haven't been, go check it out. I strongly recommend it. Yeah. You may have to sell off an arm and a leg or a newborn child, but you will remember it forever. I promise you. Um, But anyway, guys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. I've been running my mouth for far too long. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this show. Uh, I know it was a little bit different than what you're used to, but I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. Um, If anybody's out there actually planning a trip to Disney, shoot me an email. I don't mind at all. Uh, shoot me an email or message me on social media. Uh, whatever you have a question with, I really don't mind answering any kind of questions you guys have. So you, if you need to shoot me an email, you can shoot me an email at the Southern Spectre podcast at gmail.com. Um, like I said, I'm going to wrap this up. You guys uh, take care. Uh, take care of each other. And until the next episode, guys, I've been your host. Take care, everybody. <laughs>